Praise the Lord. Okay, uh, we've been looking at the book of Colossians here. And so, and I want to remind you that, oh, well, matter of fact, we see right here in Colossians chapter 2, and, and look at verse 1 here. He says, this is like Lacey Springs, you know, Laodicea, Lacey Springs, whatever. Okay, you know, it's just for the church at Laodicea. The end of this book, there's only four chapters. It says, hey, the letter that I wrote to the Laodiceans, uh, you know, actually, when you finish reading this letter, send this letter to the Laodicean church and then have the Laodicean church and the la da 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 It sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? It's just Lacey Springs, okay? It's just Arab, Decatur, Birmingham. And it's the entire church. It's not, God's message is not for everybody. Oh, yes, it is. It's like the multitudes, the multitudes that came to Jesus. The reason they were multitudes, it wasn't because somebody had a pitchfork behind them saying, you ain't been in church, you know. You couldn't help yourself. You wanted to be with Jesus. And that's what was going on here. So anyway, uh, this Lacey Springs, or shall we say Laodicea, don't let these big words throw you and say, well, I need to have a preacher tell me what to do. It's just a town. Alabama, we got something called Op. Who ever heard of that? Op Alabama. You know what I mean? It's, it's strange names, but it's just a location where people live. But anyway, this book here might have been the only book other than, y'all please read the, the letter to the Laodiceans. That's the only thing they ever got other than the history that they had heard about uh, the Jews and creation and things like that. It, it, many of these things were not put down in writing where everybody had a copy of it until around the 15th century, you know. When uh, <clears throat> Brother Tyndall got involved in the printing press and all that kind of stuff, you had to go somewhere where somebody had some copies and read these things. But anyway, the point here is going to be made very well. So chapter 1 was fantastic. We're going right into chapter 2. Oh, <clears throat> In verse 1 he says, I wish you could know how much I have struggled in prayer for you and for the church at Laodicea and for my many other friends who have never known me personally. Now this is Paul writing this. Now, don't read too much in this. Some people say, oh, my goodness, this was intercessory prayer. And oh, my goodness, if you don't learn how to be an intercessor, then you are just losing half your Christian life. <laughs> Calm down. That's not true. It's not true at all. One thing you need to remember is Jesus is your intercessor, not you. He is your high priest. If there's ever anybody bombarding the gates of heaven, it's Jesus on your behalf. You can calm down. No matter what your troubles are, you are going to be fine if you will relax in Jesus. Okay? So watch this. I wish you could know how much I've struggled for you in prayer and for the church at Laodicea and for many other friends who have never known me personally. This is what I've asked of God for you. That you will be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love and that you will have the rich experience of knowing Christ with real certainty and clear understanding. Well, you probably lost about half of everybody right there because, you know, people decide whether or not you know Christ. You know, I don't know. I don't know if Laura really knows Christ. Yes, she does. He stands at the door and knocks. Every day he's right there in Laura's heart. Every day he's in your heart. Or there's no reason we should be singing, you know, uh, uh, these songs about Jesus being with us all the time. He is with you. Praise the Lord. Now, remember, he goes on down here. Strong ties of love that you will have the rich experience of knowing Christ with real certainty and clear understanding for God's secret plan now at last made known. Now, remember what that secret plan was? What was that secret plan? It was just a few verses before this. It was in chapter 1. Remember this? <laughs> 
This is smaller than a newspaper article. If you read the whole book of Colossians, it is so small. Watch chapter one. See how many sentences it is. My goodness, in English class, I've had to write many more papers than 29 sentences. You know, watch this. So watch what he says. And this is the secret. Christ in your hearts, your only hope of glory. He didn't say Christ making you do good works. No, it's Christ in your heart. We couldn't do enough good works to get to heaven. You can't. Praise the Lord. The only way of being saved is by Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's all there is to it. See, look what he says. So everywhere we go, we talk about Christ to all who will listen, warning them and teaching them as well as we know how. We want to, make, we want to be able to present each one to God perfect because of what Christ has done for them. See, it's not what we've done. Now, here he goes right into the second chapter. Remember, he didn't break. We put breaks in here so we could study this. There was no break between verse 29 and verse 1 of chapter 2. So he says, hey, I wish you knew how much I prayed for you guys. And this is what I'm praying, that you'll, you know, your love will get strong, you know, and you'll have a rich experience about Christ in you. And he goes on and says, in him lie hidden all the mighty untapped treasures, uh, excuse me, all the untapped treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, where is he going with this? Well, I guess I'm scratching my head. Too bad I can't have that. You have it. This is what's going to be the total theme of chapter 2. You have all these things. So the struggle is over with in your own personal life. It's, I just need to recognize. Wow. He said, I'm saying this because I'm afraid that someone may fool you by smooth talk. Now, he's not talking about, you know, you know somebody that... Uh, <clears throat> You know, a burglar or a thief or something like that. No, it's just going to be an angel in disguise. You know, the Bible tells us that Satan, you know, he can make himself look like an angel of light. And let me tell you, you can be that person. You can just go, this is just too good to be true. Or just choose not to pay attention to the second chapter of Colossians or the whole book of Colossians for that matter. I'll make my own way to heaven. I think when you pray, you have to have lived a good holy life this week. Well, then quit praying in the name of Jesus, because if you're going to live in a holy life, in other words, your holy life is going to get your answers to prayer. You don't need to bother with the name of Jesus. And I can tell you right up front, you're not going to get your prayers answered. You don't pray based on how wonderful you've been to God. You don't do that. He says, I'm saying this because I'm afraid that someone may fool you with smooth talk. What's the smooth talk? For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. Happy that you are getting along so well. Happy because of your strong faith in Christ. And I want to encourage you that this strong faith in Christ is not just, I'm never going to let him go, but it's your daily faith in him to get you out of your troubles. Matter of fact, it's what he's fixed to say. And now just as you have trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. That's the reason we have stories about David. It wasn't just so be historic. It's like, I'm going to do what David did. Yes, do what David did. He wrote it down. Psalm 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way. Just keep going. Up into the hundreds. Psalm 118 is David's. All right, so look what he says. <clears throat> Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. Well, see, that's the funny part, Mr. Preacher. Oh, see, I, I don't know how to do that. I need to go to Bible college to do that. Hold on a second. Remember, most of these people probably couldn't even read. Somebody stood up there and they read this letter from start to bottom, just like a letter from your grandmother. Grandmother says this, 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 this. And you would have got it. We chop it up to study. Sometimes, you know, you'll hear people, they'll chop some of these things up and they don't even know what's above it or below. They don't even know the part about it's Christ in you, your only hope of glory. 
it's like, well, boy, one of these days I want to attain to that level that that preacher there, that preacher really impresses me, or that Christian person, or my grandmother, or my this, or my what. I want to just be like that. Look, be yourself. Christ is in you. He's your only hope of glory. So watch what he says. I'm afraid someone's going to fool you with smooth talk. He says, uh, so he says, now just as you have trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Now, what is this truth you were taught? He's fixing to give you some more details about this. What were we taught? Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving. Again, you go to the doctor because what? You're sick. You're not feeling good. You're hurting or whatever. Listen, if you look in the mirror and you don't have a happy face, you're supposed to do something about that. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to smile. No. James 5. Is any among you afflicted? See, you know why you're not smiling. You know. You got issues going on. You say, well, I know somebody. They don't have issues. They're just depressed. Well, that's a problem. I would be going to this thing, you know, Lord, you said I'm supposed to be happy, you know. I need some help here. Well, that's what you should do. You go to the Lord. Don't tell somebody else. You go to the Lord. And you put your faith in Christ and say, you know what? What's all this about joy? I'm such an unhappy person. I need help here, Lord. And he will fix it. He will so fix it, you know. But many times we, we, we've we been taught, you know, well, our problems are, you know, sometimes we don't like the things we face and the Lord. Knows. Where, where are you getting that from? Where did Jesus ever tell somebody that? Somebody comes to him sick and the Lord says, well, you know what? You know, I know sometimes you don't like these things. No, the Lord reached out his hand and touched the leper and healed him. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me whole. End of story. The centurion even knew enough about that. He said, hey, my, my servant's at home, he's paralyzed. But hey, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But he basically said, I am worthy that you'll heal my servant. But see, we throw ourselves, oh, I don't know. I don't know if God's, I don't know. I have no concept of the mercy and the love of God. We just walk away from any kind of prayer request that we want to submit to God. But don't do that. Jesus even said himself in John 16, he says, ask that your joy may be full. Boy, we've got Jesus so backwards sometimes. Now let's see how deep this is supposed to be. Let your lives overflow. If you can't in that mirror convince yourself that your life is overflowing with joy because of what Jesus has done for you, get back in that prayer closet and talk to God. You've got things going on in your life that you're not happy about. Not spiritual things, whatever. You're unhappy. Tell the Lord, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to enter your gates with praise. I'm supposed to be singing. And I don't know why I'm not happy, but Lord, you're, you told me I'm supposed to be overflowing with joy. Something's going on here. Well, watch this. Don't let others spoil your faith. Here it is again. Enjoy. Okay. With their philosophies and their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas. Now, I want to jump ahead in this same chapter and show you one of them. Down here at the bottom, because Paul is pretty hot about it. Remember, and he's speaking for the Lord. He's speaking for the Lord. Look at this. These rules may seem good, for rules of this kind require strong devotion and are humiliating and are hard on the body. I'll go without food all week long. That will impress God. Well, if it don't impress God, it'll impress me. It'll make me control my body better. And I will, I will, I will, I will. Yeah, it's all about you. 
Relax. It's all about Jesus. You've made this whole thing so hard. And when you go into prayer, you'll first thing you'll do if you're a faster and you think that's how you fast, you'll think, Lord, give me a week. Let me fast a little bit first, you know, and then I'll come back. And you've got dire situations either with your family or something else or a new job opportunity or what. And you're all the time thinking, it's my fasting. Or I haven't been, I need to be kinder. I, I, I got somebody that I'm not getting along too good with. And I didn't do real good this week with when I met that person. I can do so much better. Listen, we can all do so much better. But my prayer life and my relation to Jesus has nothing to do with the way I treat someone else. Mm -mm. Jesus is my high priest. He knows my shortcomings. He's covered all that. I'm trying to earn all these things. Look at the, he says, since you died, as it were, Christ in this has set you free from following this world's ideas on ideas of how to be saved. And that means your little difficulties down here too, not just going to heaven. In other words, I know Jesus would just, Jesus would like me better if I just Listen, He loves you no matter what. He loved you when you hated Him. So why would He change now? By doing good and obeying various rules. Well, that's what they said do. i got to do this, you know. Why do you keep right on following them anyway? Still bound by such rules as not eating and tasting or touching certain foods. Such rules are mere human teachings for food and made to be eaten and used up. Wow. All right, so let's back up here. So what are we supposed to do? Well, first off, He wants us happy. And I tell you, uh, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done. Oh. <clears throat> so verse 8, don't let others spoil your faith and joy by their philosophies, their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas, instead of on what Christ has said. For in Christ there is all of God in a human body. I wonder where Christ is today. The third chapter says, your life is hid with Christ in God. Calm down. I'm going to be okay. Where am I today? I, I am so lost in Christ. Not that, oh, one day I want to be lost in Christ. Oh, one day. I'll... You already are. <laughs> Your life is hid with Christ in God. Third chapter says so. Okay. And then we already have in the first chapter, the hope of glory, Christ in you. We get the idea that Christ is in right now, but oh boy, after lunch, after what I did, he's out. No, he's there the whole time. We're the ones that come up with these silly things. He is with you constantly. So anyway, watch this. So you have everything when you have Christ. Now, wait a minute. I'm a preacher. I don't want everybody to know that. No, you don't. Because I'll decide whether or not you have everything. Well, you need to get rid of me. The Bible says you have everything. You have everything when you have Christ. Words mean anything. And you are filled with God through your union with Christ. What if I blow it? Well, what if you blow it? First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. Look at this. He is the highest ruler and authority over every other power. Boy, we have hit the top. We've hit it right there. When you came to Christ, he set you free from your evil desires, not by bodily uh, operation of circumcision, but by a spiritual operation, the baptism of your souls. Now, some people think this is a daily thing that takes place all the time. Not according to the scriptures, it already took place. That's the reason you're trusting him. 
you're still going to make some mistakes. And, you, and sometimes when you make mistakes, you'll say, well, I did the same thing over again. So therefore, I'm not saved. No, uh-uh, no way. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often my brother sinned against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? No, there's a limit. No, basically, you found out that story. Jesus said, and I say not in the seven, but 70 times seven. It was still forever, no matter how you slice it. Your benefits in heaven. Jesus said this, or David said this in Psalm 103. He forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. But we draw the line on both of those things. I don't know if he'll forgive me or not. I don't, and the whole time, David said it's a benefit. Comes to sickness, I don't know if he'll heal me this time. And it's a benefit. Whoever came to Jesus and Jesus didn't heal him, look it up for yourself. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then take a gander at the book of Acts. Philip goes down to Samaria, basically Auburn, Alabama, shall we say. Philip goes to Auburn, heals everybody in Auburn. Now, how do you do that? He preached Christ. That's all he did. Well, I don't know. Well, follow me to Acts chapter 28. That was Acts 8. Acts 28, there are 276 of them get shipwrecked on an island. Paul is right there, the governor of the island. His daddy has got some sort of bloody flux, they call it. He ain't doing good, you know. Paul goes in there, prays for him, lays hands on him, heals him. Acts 28. This is right after Mr. Paul's bit by a snake and he didn't get killed. Then what happens? How's oh, a miracle. God's will that that guy's daddy was healed. Oh, really? Why don't we keep reading the B-I-B-L-E? The next verse says, Any sick on the island came immediately and Paul healed them all. These are the acts of the apostles. Not just the apostles because... Philip wasn't even an apostle. Neither was Stephen. You got everything you need. But we can struggle and say, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. But anyway, foreign baptism, you see how, old, how, see how your old evil nature died with him and was buried with him. And then you came up out of death with him into a new life because you trusted the word of the mighty God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead in sins and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. Then he gave you a share of the very life of Christ for he forgave all your sins and blotted out the charges proved against you. This is interesting right here. Proved against you. Remember the Bible says the devil, he's the accuser of the brethren. So Christ, when he was raised from the dead, he forgave your sins, blotted out the charges proved against you. The list of his commandments, which you had not obeyed. He took this list of sins and destroyed it, nailing it to cross Christ. But, you know, you can read this and you go, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's great. That was before I met Jesus. Oh, please. Oh, please, 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 please. It's eternal. This handles sin's future. Were you, were, you, were you there when Jesus died? Well, no, I'm 2,013 years later. Well, then he died sin's future, didn't he? He's taking care of your sin's future. He is eternally has the blood of Christ in the mercy seat in heaven on behalf of you. He does. Besides that, this is, it, it, you know, full mercy. You know, you can get yourself so tripped up. Let me, let me just, I, this is the things that mess us up right here. Let's go over to the book of uh, 1 John just a moment, because this here just trips us up. We think, you know, well, yeah, that's, yeah, oh, yeah, he nailed it. He took it out of the way, took it to the cross. Oh, yes, he did, yeah. 
that's right, but, you know, I'm a Christian, and I just think, you know, that I have really blown it. Well, what's this? Oh, let me switch this to the, to the, oh, to the King James just a moment. Oh. This is 1 John chapter 2, right before the book of Revelation. Watch what happens here. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. The Bible doesn't want me to sin. Well, yeah. The Bible didn't want Adam to eat that fruit either. Sure was a lot of mercy after that fruit, wasn't it? You know. My little children, I write these things unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, no man. We have, that word there, advocate, means punishment. No, it doesn't. It means attorney. Advocate means attorney. If we sin, notice any. That means you. I don't care what you think. This is you. You blow it today? Listen. Yeah, but this is, this is the guy before he knows Jesus. Well, first off, he said, my little children. And second off, he's going to show you there's two classes of forgiveness here. Watch this. We've got an attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation. We'll just call that the sacrifice. He's a sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but for also the sins of the whole world. Which group are you in? If you think you are so bad, well, then you're at least in this group. But if you realize that you do know Jesus and you've made some mistakes, well, then guess what? You're in this group. And that means you have forgiveness. Relax. Jesus has got you covered all the time. You're covered. Wow. Besides that, you know, remember, there was no chapter and verses here. All this went hand and glove together. If you went right back into the ninth chapter, look what you see right down here. Just one sentence ahead of this. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, he's talking about a brother in Christ. Talking about you and I. Because he says, if we walk in the light. Now, who's going to walk in the light that doesn't know Jesus? They don't know anything about him. You and I are walking in the light. And we've got fellowship with one another. But if we say we walk in the light, but we lie, we do not the truth. And His truth is not in us. So we've got to realize, you know what? Jesus has me covered. Well, then what is He actually saying in the book of Colossians? Well, let's go back and let's see. Because I tell you what, you and I... Uh, <clears throat> so let's pack it at verse 10. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Let me go back to the Living Bible. Same thing in verse 11. Oh... Uh, Let's see. So you have everything when you have Christ and you're filled with God through your union with Christ. He is the highest ruler and authority over every other power. When you came to Christ. Now, what's so funny is this puts us all on equal ground. Every one of us in this room. I've got the same salvation that Brittany does and Dustin has and my mother has here. Wow. So when you came to Christ, when you came to Christ, when was that? Well, when did you meet him? Obviously, it probably wasn't today. It was a long time. He sets you free from your evil desires. Well, see, I'm struggling here today. We need to realize, hey, wait a minute. This thing happened a long time ago when you met him. Quit thinking, oh, Jesus, please. Oh, I just wish you please set me free from that. I just keep doing this thing. I just keep doing it. Have some faith in what he said here. He did this for you a long time ago. That's the reason the cross is so wonderful. If you got a cross, you can think, hey. Cool, when Jesus died on that cross, that's when this happened to me. Praise the Lord. So he says, uh, for in baptism you see how your old evil nature died with him, as was buried with him, and was buried with him, and you came up out of death with him in a new life because you trusted the word of the mighty God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead in sins and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. Then he gave you a share in the very life of Christ. 
He forgave you all your sins and blotted out the charges proved against you. The list of his commandments which you had not obeyed. You know what we're afraid of? Oh my goodness. Wonder what I'm going to be judged for. He took that whole list. Have you got a cross? Oh, Dustin's got a cross on. Brittany gave it to him. When you think of that cross, praise God. All my stuff was thrown on that cross. The stuff that was proved, buddy, you're in trouble. Yeah, it was proved, but it was thrown on the cross. Proved against me the list of commandments which I had not obeyed. He took the list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to his cross. Now, you can whine and say, well, I mean, Jesus, I'm special. You didn't take care of all my sins, and you're going to be wrong. Because he did. They were destroyed. In this way, look at this. God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sins. But guess what? You can replace this with you. You can just say, yeah, but God, you don't know me. Oh, God, you do not know me. And you, oh, what you're saying is what Jesus did for you because you can't save yourself and you can't stop your own sinning and whatever. It takes the power of Christ. And it took place when he did it. All we got to do is put our trust in him. Praise God. Anyway, God took away the power of Christ to accuse you of sin, and God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all taken away. Wow. So don't let anyone criticize you for what you eat or drink. Remember, you can self-condemn yourself, and don't do that. You know. Or for not celebrating Jewish holidays and feasts or new moon or ceremonies or Sabbath. Boy, this is going to get deep here. We a lot of people, a lot of Christians do this. Well, the best thing to do is to not eat this, and the best thing to do is on Sunday the blue laws do not work. I mean, do not work on Sundays. You know, just condemn yourself. If you do a little history lesson in the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth six days. Seventh day He rested for about fifteen hundred years after the flood. Fifteen hundred years later, God says to Moses, "Hey." I want y'all not to work on Sundays, but remember me. Why did he wait 1,500 years to tell man not to do anything on the seventh day? See, there was a reason he told the Jewish nation to do that. That was so that the world will be able to see through the Jewish nation that there is a God in heaven. That's all it was about, praise the Lord. But you have Jesus, when he's walking through the fields... Remember what happened? His disciples are chomping down on some corn and carrying on and eating. And, he, and the Pharisees go, aha, aha, y'all are guilty. Y'all are breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus turns around and tells a story which we all should know because he says, have you not read? Read what? What David did. David went right into the temple. Abathar was the high priest. And he asked Abathar, you got anything to eat in there? And Abathar says, well... We got the table of the showbread. We got the showbread bread in here, which was the bread of the presence of God. And David said, well, can we have that? And the high priest said, yeah. And he gave it to them. And it was not supposed to be eaten by them. Mm-mm. And Jesus said that the Son of Man, talking about himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. And he said, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Praise the Lord. But you can put yourself under all kinds. I know if I just keep that six day, God will just bless me. No, he won't either. Mm-mm. You're going to get blessed because of what Jesus has done for you. Don't let anyone criticize you for what you eat or drink or not celebrating the Jewish holidays and feasts or new moon or ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these were only temporary rules that ended when Christ came. They ended. So let it be over with. See, and the reason we want to let that stuff be over with is why? Because we're looking to Jesus and saying, you know what? Jesus, you were enough for me. I don't need anything else. And that's what he just says above it. He said, 
the highest authority you have. Ah, praise the Lord. Okay, Uh, they were only shadows of the real thing of Christ himself. Don't let anyone declare you, what? Lost. Well, you don't know, you're not saved. (laughs) Yes, you are. When you refuse to worship angels, as they say you must. You say, well, nobody's telling me to worship angels. Well, they said they saw an angel, and this is what the angel said. I had a vision. I saw this. I... If it goes against the second chapter of Colossians, if it's got anything, if there's anything in there that you need to do extra to make heaven work for you, it ain't right. Mm-mm. You don't need to let anything like that get involved. Oh, they've seen a vision, they say, and they know you should. These proud men, though they claim to be so humble, have a very clever imagination. But they're not connected to Christ, the head, which all of us, and I want you to catch this because Paul's going to keep saying this, Even the smallest of us is connected to Christ. The very weakest of us, if we want to call one of us weak, is just as strong as the rest of us. That's that's amazing. Anyway, so, oh, let's see. So, uh, where we go to? Uh, But they're not connected to Christ. The head uh, to which all of us are connected, excuse me, all of us who are his body are joined. For we are joined together by his strong sinews. Now some people say, you know, we're joined together because we need everybody. You know, I need I need this and we're joined together. And if we don't have the body, you're heading toward discipleship if you go that route. I need everybody. I can't make it today without calling my brother Phil. I got to talk to Dustin. I, I, you don't need anything but Jesus. That's all you need. That's all you need. Anyway, wrap this up. Watch this. But they're not connected to Christ, the head, which is all of us who are his body are joined. For we are joined together by his strong sinews and we grow only as we get our nourishment and strength from God. Can we get that? Well, yeah, it's right there all the time. Verse 20, since you died, as it were, with Christ, and this has set you free from following the world's ideas on how to be saved by doing good and obeying various rules. Why do you keep right on following them anyway, still bound by such rules such as not eating or tasting, touching, tasting or touching certain foods? Such rules are mere human teachings for food never, excuse me, for food was made to be eaten and used up. These rules may seem good for the rules of this kind require strong devotion and are humiliating and are hard on the body, but they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. Well, then how am I going to do it? Well, it's not about gussying up and saying, you know, I'm just going to do this thing. No, it's about trusting in Jesus. They only make him proud. Now, let me stop by wrapping this up here with the 23rd, just a moment. And let's just see if we can see something right here along the same lines. What do you do here? What hoops do you jump through? Well, there's not any hoops. We're not going to jump through any hoops. Now look how hard this is. This is going to be very difficult anyway. From here, one to six. And remember, this is in everybody's Bible. Okay, so it's not like, well, it's blotted out, you know, on certain days. you can't. No, this is all the time. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Makes sense to me. It's the reason David knew that. He lets me rest in meadow grass and leaves me beside the quiet streams. Insert. Except when he's putting me through trials. What did you, why did you say that? He's not putting you through any trials. He's fixing to say, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I ain't even going to be afraid over there because you're with me. We throw this stuff in there. I tell you what, if you don't look like you're in, what is it? King James says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. If you think you're trying to take a sip of water out of where you need to be rafting, you know, um, white water and stuff. In other words, your world is turbulent. 
you need to be looking around for the calm water because this must be a lie. Because it said He leads you. Start. That's where your faith and trust is. You're supposed to be trusting and looking for that calm water. And I'm getting tired, boy. Sure, I don't want to lay down in this stuff. Well, keep looking. You will find before dark, you will find the green pastures. It's right there. He helps me to do what honors him the most. The King James says he restores my soul. Verse 4. Even when walking through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, guarding and guiding me all the way. You provide delicious food for me in the presence of my enemies. I mean, so where's the hassle? You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies? You have welcomed me as your guest. Blessings overflow. Verse 6. Your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me all of my life. And afterward, I will live for you forever in your home. So if we'll trust in this and quit worrying about, well, I guess there's a special place in heaven for those who don't serve Christ as quite as well as I do. Would you quit worrying about that? Quit worrying about that. The Lord will help you with it. There's no special place. Your mansion is going to be hid in his mansion. In my father's house are many mansions. We're going to, I mean, the jokes go everywhere. But your mansion is right up against Jesus. Your seat, well, where am I going to get seated at? You know, you're already seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're seated at the right hand of God. You're right there with Jesus. Remember those two boys, James and John. Their mother even came and says, hey, Jesus, well, I, don't, I want to ask a favor for my sons here. You know, Jesus didn't say, now look, everybody thinks I'm giving people favors. We've got to quit thinking this. No, Jesus entertained it. He said, what is it you want me to do? That's a shocker. And, and she said, well, when you come in your kingdom, I want my sons, James and John, to be on your left and right. And you know what Jesus said? He didn't say, well, <laughs> you out of your mind. No, he said, are you able to drink the cup which I'm about to drink? In uh, James, not James, but uh, Matthew's account of it <clears throat> and Mark's account of the same story. It's in there three times. Uh, James and John spoke up and said, we're able. And Jesus said, okay, you're going to do it. That was when Jesus was going to the cross. James in the book of Acts was killed by Herod. You know, he took that cup. John was exiled. You know, he was supposedly dipped in hot tar or whatever. He went through some fire, didn't he? But anyway, Jesus said, hey, but to sit on my left hand and right is not mine to give, but it's for those who it is chosen. You know, but the point was, is that in, is in uh, oh, Ephesians chapter two, we're all seated with Christ in heavenly places. We all got that spot. But anyway, real quickly, lastly, your goodness and unfailing kindness will be with me all my life. And afterward, I'll live with you forever in your home. Father, we just thank you that by your stripes we're healed. Lord, we're just going to calm down. We just know, praise God, that you take care of everything. If we're sick in our bodies, you'll make us well. If we're hurting financially, you'll fix that too. And if we got any other difficulties, no matter what that is, it's because of you and what you have done. Not because of what we do. You'll get us out of trouble. We're just your kids and we need you, Lord. We got to have your help. So, Lord, we're asking you to bail us out of all kind of trouble, whatever it may be. Just like David said, we'll call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised. So shall we be saved from our enemies. And, Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to go tell others what great things you're doing for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah.